Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. All right, good morning, good morning, good Monday morning. We are off and running with Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. I'm Tom Brenneman. We're here every day, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern Time. Many of you already jumping on board. You can join us on YouTube slash Chatterbox Sports or on Facebook slash Chatterbox Sports. On social media, we can be found on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at Tom Brenneman TV. That's Tom Brenneman TV. And many of you prefer the podcast form. And we're right there, wherever you get them. Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever. At Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. All right, lots to get to. What a game. What a performance. It's simply the best the Bengals have looked all year long by far. Joe Burrow throws for almost 500 yards. In fact, five times ever in the history of football has a quarterback thrown for 450 yards or more, four touchdowns, while hitting on 80% of his pass attempts. Burrow has now done it twice in his career. Last year against Baltimore, then yesterday. Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, monster games, each over 100 receiving yards. Chase, two touchdowns. Boyd, the first big touchdown of the game. Higgins almost got to 100 at 93. His teammates were giving him a bunch of grief for running out of bounds on one of his catches during the games. And look, you can't overlook the defense. It's now seven straight games to begin this season where the defense has not allowed a second-half touchdown. It's unbelievable. 35-17, to the final over the Falcons. We'll be talking a lot about this today. The Bengals are now 4-3. It's the first time they're over the 500 mark this year after starting 0-2. They go to Cleveland on Monday night, and this is a desperate Cleveland Browns team. We said it last week. If the Browns lost to Baltimore and they lost on Monday night to the Bengals, Their season was D-U-N done. Well, they lost to Baltimore yesterday, 23-20. Browns are 2-5. They have lost four games this year by three points or less. Total combined points of 11 in four of their losses. Fans are screaming, media screaming. Kevin Stefanski should be fired as head coach. I got to tell you, and maybe I'm the lone wolf here on this thing. Uh, I've said all along, I think Lamar Jackson's overrated. And he was average at best yesterday. Now, I'm not a stat guy. You know that. It's all about do you win or do you lose. So Lamar has them at four and three. But they had 94 passing yards in the game yesterday against Cleveland. Lamar doesn't throw a touchdown. He doesn't throw a pick. Cleveland, by and large, really slowed him down even running the ball. But again, Cleveland can't close a deal. So the Ravens and Bengals are tied atop the division at 4-3. and three. I don't know how many of you stayed up to watch Sunday night football. What a clunker that was. The uh, Dolphins and the Steelers, they had a lot of good stuff on there. About Tua coming back. 16-10, the final in that one, Miami. Some other games around the NFL of note. How about the Giants? I mean, they're down to Jacksonville. It's a final drive. They go down the field and win the game. G-Men now 6-1. and one. The Chiefs, they look pretty good. They mauled the Niners yesterday out in San Jose. Christian McCaffrey, 
Touches the ball 10 times, 60 yards running and receiving. In his debut with San Francisco, the Chiefs go to 5-2. and two. The Washington Commanders, or as our buddy uh, Vach calls them, the Washington Football Wizards. They just shut down Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. I don't know what's going on with Aaron Rodgers. He says he's not worried about it. He continues to say he's not worried about it. We'll talk with Brian Billick about this a little bit later. Because Brian pointed out last week he thought that Rodgers was a little out of touch with what's going on there in Green Bay. And then the shocker of all shockers, the 1-5 Carolina Panthers hold Tom Brady and the Buccaneers without a single touchdown in a 21-3 win. Tampa Bay is now 3-4 on the year. They host Baltimore on Thursday night. What is going on with Tom Brady and the Buccaneers? We'll talk with Brian Billick about that. All right, on the college front, another weekend to separate the contenders from the pretenders. The 19th-ranked UC Bearcats slip by. SMU 29-27. They go to 6-1 on the year. Charge McClellan, 129 rushing yards. The defense had six sacks. And, boy, hats off to Luke Fickle. He becomes the winningest coach in UC football history. His record is 54-16 in the last five years. He's only lost eight times in the last four years. The number two Ohio State University Buckeyes did not look sharp in the first half against a really good Iowa defense. That all changed in the second half. And Ohio State cranks it up to a 54-10 win. Stroud, four more touchdown passes. The defense has five sacks, forces six turnovers. Ohio State, 7-0. They go to once-beaten Penn State this coming Saturday. Kentucky off this weekend. Wildcats go to number three, Tennessee, on Saturday. Ohio University, one of the hottest teams in the country. Another win, 24-17 over Northern Illinois. They've won four of their last five. Now, nationally, we told you on this show three weeks ago, the two biggest pretenders in college football would soon be exposed, and they were exposed over the weekend. How in the world UCLA got to be ninth in the country, I will never know. Just because they're undefeated? They were humiliated at Oregon. That's right, Oregon. Remember, that's the same Oregon that played Georgia in week one and got beat 49-3. to Okay, the other pretender we said was a fraud, Ole Miss. Undefeated, ranked seventh. They go to Baton Rouge and get obliterated, 45-20. to Lane Kiffin's team is outscored in the second half 28 to nothing. Don't look now, boys and girls. Brian Kelly has LSU tied atop the division in their half of the SEC with Alabama. And guess who plays two weeks from now? Alabama goes to LSU. If Brian Kelly somehow wins that game looking at the rest of their schedule, there's a legitimate chance LSU could be playing in the SEC championship game. Clemson benches its starting quarterback and rallies to beat previously unbeaten Syracuse 27-21 in the ACC. 
The number five Tigers uh, really should have lost that game. Were it not for two just unbelievably stupid penalties. Guys running out of bounds on a third and 22, the quarterback. They hit him five yards out of bounds, gives him a, an automatic first down. They go on and score, Clemson does. Then they score again. Uh, and then late, Syracuse got jobbed by the officials. Then TCU, Horn Frogs, beat number 17, Kansas State, 38-28. TCU, in this calendar month of October, only the third time it's ever been done, has beaten four ranked opponents in four consecutive weeks. Baseball, Phillies are on their way to the World Series. They won 87 games during the regular season. And they wipe out the Padres four games to one. Bryce Harper, the stuff that legends are made of. His team down a run in the eighth, two-run home run. Fighting Phils are off to their first World Series since 2009. You may remember they won it in 2008. And in the American League, a clean sweep. Astros over the Yankees, four games to none, 6-5 win last night. Some are wondering, does Aaron Boone survive? Does GM Brian Cashman survive this? I was doing a little searching around yesterday. And you wonder why baseball is, is having a hard time. Let's look at the first three games of this series, okay? The New York Yankees, their batters score a total of four runs in the first three games. Okay, now hats off to Houston's pitching. It's good. It ain't that good. All right? Four runs in three games. They get 12 hits in the first three games. And they strike out 41 times in 27 innings. Now, the, the, the big thing you hear about baseball, the end result, and this percentage is climbing every year, end result of plate appearances, strikeout, walk, home run. I'm taking the home run out because he only scored four runs in those first three games. 50 of the 94 plate appearances by Yankee batters, 50 of the 94 ended in a strikeout or a walk. That's why baseball is losing so many of its fans, plain and simple. It, there's just zero action, none. World Series doesn't start until Friday because one series went four, the other one went five. They're building it all in for television. So that starts on Fox in Houston on Friday night. Gentlemen, Casey McAllister, good morning. Paul Fritschner, good morning. Good morning. How are we doing after a big weekend? Everybody all right? Yeah, um, <clears throat> we're doing good. Uh, happy with the Bengals win. I definitely smelt that one from a mile away. Um, despite my uh, pick for the Falcons. Um, in the spread uh that was a that was a good week for for the Bengals to it was kind of like a welcome back party for the offense sure um it was a uh expected i would say um i will say this defensively for this next game against the browns on monday i'm still scared about this run defense um that one drive that the Falcons had that was over 10 minutes long, mm -hmm. 17 plays. Um, that is what teams are going to have to do to beat us with DJ Reader being out, of course. And now that we don't have Hendrickson, he 
probably is in concussion protocol. Uh, he goes down. No, they said it turned out to be, just this morning, they said it turned out to be a neck injury. A neck injury. Neck injury, and they think that he'll be able to play. At least that's the early word on the street. Okay. So that's good news. Yeah, that's great. And they say Reader's getting better. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I heard that too. I don't know if he's coming back for the Browns game, but uh, definitely making a a good progression. Sure. Yeah, getting healthier. That's uh, great. So I have a question for the both of you. I had a broadcast yesterday at 1 o'clock, and I only caught – You had soccer. I had a soccer game yeah. yesterday Number at 1 o'clock. Number two seat. Yes. I saw you. Oh, there uh, we go, I, Tom. I, dude, I, I pay attention to what you're doing, Paul. There we go. I love it. Absolutely. I appreciate it. You're, you're welcome. Um, yeah, so I had a soccer broadcast yesterday at 1 o'clock. And I got home. There was probably three, four, five minutes left in the fourth quarter. Game long since decided. Right. So I had to go back and rewatch the game late last night. What I would like to know from you guys, because obviously rewatching the game, I knew what happened. The game was never in doubt. That stretch at the end of the first half, where the Falcons scored 10 points in about 50 seconds, watching that live, was there a sense of nervousness? In that point when the Bengals were up by as much as they were, the Bengals were up 28-7, to then all of a sudden the Falcons come back, they score 10 points in 50 seconds. Was there uneasiness? Because I, I certainly I, I didn't feel that way because I knew that the Bengals were, were in full control. And it felt, re-watching the game, like the Bengals were in full control the whole time. But I'm, I'm just curious, watching it in real time, was there an, was there an uneasiness to, to both of you watching Well, Casey, it? I don't want to speak for you, and you can answer in a second. For me, sitting there watching at home, my dad came over, watching his son, uh, watching a game with, with, with his grandson, my son, Luke. To answer your question a little bit for me, knowing the Falcons were going to get the ball to start the second half. So if, and, and we talked about this, their game plan with Dan Horde last week, since uh, Arthur Smith has taken over, is to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, chew up the time, get it close to the fourth quarter, and see if you have a chance to win. Had they opened that third quarter with a touchdown drive, which would have made it, what, 28 to 24. Yeah. yeah. Now all of a sudden, you know, so did, did, did that pop into my mind? Casey, I don't want to speak for you. It did for me. But once all of a sudden they come out and bam, shut them down first drive, you're like, this thing's done. You agree with that? Yeah. I mean, I would have been – much more worried if they had scored on that punt return. I mean, it was close. It was yeah. the, the last guy, Marcus Bailey, made a play. And if they would have scored, I mean, I would have definitely been nervous then because I think coming out in the beginning of the second half sure. in the third quarter that they would have been able to drive. But, I mean, our offense was just unstoppable, honestly. Like, I think they probably could have reached that 500 – 50 yard mark if they would have wanted to if they would have thrown the ball a lot more I think we probably would have seen that um their their defense was just miserable they didn't have any of their starting secondary yep. um, a bunch of undrafted guys on the defensive line um speaking of they still did a really good job of dialing up pressure on Joe Burrow which is still a little bit concerning the the issues that the Bengals had still reared their ugly heads this game unfortunately they couldn't really run the ball um they couldn't really protect joe burrow perfectly i mean they gave up two or three sacks yeah but they were pretty good they were and they're getting yeah. better what concerns me is that they know how to get those sacks so i i just think when it comes to a team like the browns who have only lost games by a margin of 11 points throughout the entire season 
that that game is much more difficult for the Bengals than it is this previous week against the Falcons. That's all. Sure. Well, you know, I, look, um, the world is full of, and I'm guilty of it from time to time. I try to, to you know, I, I try to reel it in a little bit, but it's full of reactions and overreactions, yeah. right? I mean, you can get way up here when they look great, and then you can get way down here when they don't. And they started 0-2. They've won four of their last five. Passing game was incredible yesterday. Their offensive line is getting better. Uh, they didn't need to run it much. Uh, and when they did, they didn't much. But, but Mixon still had 90 total yards in the game, catching the ball and running the ball. Yeah. So, I mean, he, he was a part of the offense, uh, which was really, really good. Um, there are things you can sit around and nitpick, good, bad, or indifferent. I'm not going to go crazy saying they're back. So that's been the sentiment all over the place, right? They're back. Yeah. Well, okay. They've gone back-to-back games over 30. They had not done that in the prior 11 games before last week against the Saints. Now they've done it in back-to-back. But let's be honest here, okay? Seriously, even if you're the biggest fan in the world, okay? The Saints were missing a ton of guys when they played them, including Marshawn Lattimore, right? Yep. The Falcons, you just noted, all kinds of guys hurt. Uh, on a very mediocre team at best. They can't hurt you throwing the ball. Their defense is beat up. So I'm not going to go off the reservation here and say that they're back. But for the first time this year, and you guys tell me, for the first time all year long, I saw a Bengals quarterback that looked like he was just in command, not nervous, no nothing, and that he had all things working at the same time for the first time all year. Is that fair? I don't know if the first time all year. I thought last week was that moment. And I think this week just carried on that that hot streak. Um, there's a stat now since week two. Yes. We're, we're taking out that Steelers game. That was miserable. Um, since week two, Joe Burrow has been 16 touchdowns, one interception. And he's also been like the top of the league in passing. I think he's number three right now in passing. Um the dude's just been on fire the last two weeks. Um, so some of those stats are skewed, but I have a couple things for you here, Tom. Uh, one's a stat and one is just a, a point that I think the Bengals have, have made a good adjustment on. This is from Lance McAllister earlier on first down yesterday, not including the kneel down the Bengals had 32 snaps. They got three touchdowns off them. Joe Burrow was 17 for 20 on first down for 288 yards. Those three touchdowns. 10 of those 17 completions were for 10 or more yards. Six of them were for 20 or more yards. Which they haven't done all year. And that's, I think, the biggest thing to me about this game is that, and this goes to the second thing that I was going to say, you didn't see the rinky-dink stuff in the play calling that we had seen in the first few weeks. These, like, shovel passes, the sweeps, the, the weird trickery Philly special type stuff. Right. You have a franchise quarterback that is consistently going out there and showing why they can be as good as they can be. And, hey, guess what? You're going to let them go out there and win you the ball games, and these stats are going to back that up. I understand. I understand that the Falcons were depleted defensively, but the more you give Joe the opportunity to go out there and be successful earlier in the set of downs instead of later where you look at, 
how much the Bengals ran on first and second down earlier on in the season. And then you look at third down and some of the struggles that Joe had throwing the football. Well, yeah, because you're not giving him those opportunities earlier on in the sequence. He has to feel like he has to force the issue. Whereas if you give him those opportunities earlier, he has, I don't want to say more time to make mistakes, but he has more freedom. He could throw the ball away if he doesn't get his first read instead of having to force something down the field. There's just so much more that it opens up when you give your franchise quarterback the opportunity to make plays earlier on in a sequence. And 17 for 20 for 288 yards, over half of your yards on first down, that's a huge well, look, stat. Look, 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 again, it's, act, it's reaction and overreaction, okay? This is one game where they did that. You make a great point. We love Lance McAllister on the show, one of our favorite guys around. Uh, and we thank him for those numbers. Um, but look, the flip side of all that is, and, I, and I'm just throwing it out there, sure. because we said here on the program we thought first down was going to be the down for the Bengals in this game, both on offense and defense. Could the Falcons run it for five and six on first down? What would the Bengals do on first down? The flip side is, is if you start throwing the ball all the time on first down, and you miss, it's second and 10. Yep. Or you sack, second and 14, right? Yeah. So there, there, there's probably, and I know Dave Lapham, who I love, and was listening to him a little bit yesterday, driving around once it, once it looked like the thing was getting ugly and getting out of the house and done watching it. Um, you know, he said, well, you know, people are screaming and hollering and, and yelling about uh, you didn't run the football when you threw for almost 500. Well, Lap was one of those guys, too, said you got to be able to run the football. Yeah. Right? I mean, we love Lap, but he knows at some point in time they got to be able to run it. Yeah. Some point in time. And again, this is all, you know, nitpick, nitpick, nitpick. But Burrow, and I mean, we got so many people jumping on already today. I mean, our numbers, we thank all of you for watching. Uh, Andrew says Burrow has entered the MVP conversation. Spot on. No doubt about it. Uh, and there are guys that are falling by the wayside in that conversation. Um, Bengals just showed superior talent yesterday, and that's the truth. They just have a better team than the Atlanta Falcons. Um, you know, we're going to dissect a lot of this with Zim Hude coming up uh, here in about 15 minutes. Um, fellas, I want to shift a little bit to the college game. Uh, the UC Bearcats win. They're now 6-1 and one on the year since they lost their season opener at Arkansas. Uh, but they're just getting by. And there was a great column. For those of you that have the athletic, and I'm not some shill for the athletic. I pay for it just like you would. It's the best place to find out everything you want to know about sports. They've hired many of the best writers. Not all of them, but a lot of them. Uh, they don't have deadlines. They don't have space restrictions. It, it, if you follow a team, whether it's uh, – uh, Ohio State or USC or a pro team in any sport across the board, the Bengals, whatever it might be, they've got everything you want to know and then some. He points out that, you know, what Luke Fickle has done now in five years, all-time winning as coach, right? He goes by Rick Mentor. It took him 10 years to win 53 games. But the point was made that for a lot of the fan base, and I was around a number of them yesterday, hardcore UC fans who go to games, um, that winning is not enough anymore. It's got to be in blowout fashion. After the, you know, the, the, the last year going to the college football playoff, and they're expecting UC to blow everybody out. And they're not. 
No, they're not. And when you look at what UC is going to have going for them in the future, going to the Big 12, that's I, I could see where there could be some uneasiness. Bearcats didn't look great. It looked a little sloppy. They looked a little uneasy. And uh, I think the line was at three. I think it closed right around three, three and a half for SMU. And we said that SMU was the play, or at least we were talking about it on, on my show on Thursday, that SMU, we really liked SMU in that game. And looked like UC was going to cover for most of the game until SMU uh, ended up covering right there at the end. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm kind of interested to see. I, I think it's funny how, how the, the perspective of a fan's mind shifts. Yep. So quickly, when expectations are raised, for a team like UC, where, and and everybody listening to this knows this. I don't have to. I don't have to beat a dead horse. But you know, we're talking about a program that 20 years ago, you got football tickets with your basketball season tickets. That's right. And now you're talking about a program that goes to the college football playoff. You've played in back-to-back, you know, New Year's Six bowls. And I, I think there is some justification for these higher expectations. One, because you're joining the Big 12. But two, because if you look at Luke Fickle and his tenure at UC, yes, he's the all-time winningest coach. But at the same time, he's somebody that it, Notre Dame, he didn't go to Notre Dame, didn't go to Michigan State. These, some of these bigger jobs have opened, and he didn't – he stayed. So, UC, you're hoping that he's your coach for the long haul – and you don't want this regression, right? You, you don't want it to be, if you're UC, you don't want it to be one good year last year. You had all this talent. You had all these draft picks. You had everybody. You had all the stars aligned for one year, and then you fade back away. You're joining the Big 12. Are you going to be an afterthought in the Big 12? No, you don't, you don't want that. No. You don't want that at all. And you're building this program. You're building a, a coach who's a winning coach, who's recruiting well, recruiting this area yep. well. And think about how much talent there is in this yep. area, and that was one of his big keys as a, a when he was hired and he's done that so uh, yeah but at the end of the day a win's a win and uc of old may have lost some of these games like that and and, and to their credit they're hanging on well i mean they're in line right now and, and look you look at their schedule it's a weird conference to try and put a finger on because you know it's their last year uh, in this league, they go to Central Florida, and we'll visit with Dan Horde later in the week. Everybody thought Central Florida was a team on the come, and then they get just annihilated by East Carolina. Okay, so UC has to play Central Florida. I don't know what they are. They have to play East Carolina. I don't know what they are. And they have to play Tulane. Tulane has lost one game and now all of a sudden is ranked. Um, college football. Casey, I know you're laying in the weeds. Uh, for uh, Penn State yeah. <laughs> uh, this Saturday. That is a high noon game on Fox. The Buckeyes come rolling in. And I got to tell you, look, I, I, I'm an I'm a, I'm a Ohio State fan. I, I don't make any bones about it. But, you know, even Joel Klatt, who I think at the end of the day um, is right there with Herb Street for the best analyst in college football. He is really on his game. And he said it perfectly. He says, you know, what do you make of Ohio State? And Clyde did the game. He said, here they are against one of the best defenses in the country, Iowa. They struggle early, right? But they still put up 54 points. Michigan scored 27 against Iowa. And I don't like playing that game most of the time. But 54 points in a game. And now they're going to Penn State. 
Do your Nittany Lions, Casey McAllister, have any <laughs> chance on Saturday? And they're your guys. You Absolutely got Absolutely not. No, no chance? No chance. What's the line in that game, Paul? What's that open? Uh, it's a lot. I think it's like 13. I'll, I'll check right here. Oh, it's got to be more than that. It's 15 and a half. 15. Okay. Yeah, that will go up. It, the, my, <laughs> my worry is that they're just going to get ran all over by, by Williams. Um, they don't even have to pass the ball to, to beat Penn State. Michigan proved that. So... It's tough. Um, Penn State defense isn't as uh, stalwarty as it's been in the past. Yep. So it, it's just a tough, tough ask for them to be able to slow down OSU. And they don't have the offense either. I mean, OSU, I think they're like the second best offense and the third best defense in the country right yeah. now. Yeah. So. And I got to tell tough. you, you know, uh, I've done a lot of games at Iowa. I had a nephew that went to Iowa. Uh, it's one of my favorite places. A lot of people, they sort of look down their nose, you know, Iowa. Well, if you ever go there, I think you change your opinion if you have one based on nothing ahead of time because it's one of the coolest places there is in all of the country. It's a great campus. It's a cool town. They love football, good people. They've had great teams. But I got to tell you, uh, that offense there, and it's been well-documented. They've had games. They have one of the best defenses in the country. Last week, they play Illinois, who's lost one game. The final score was 9-6. to six. They did not have an offensive touchdown against Ohio State this weekend. Their only touchdown was on a fumble recovery for a touchdown. I just don't know how Kirk Ferentz, and he's won a lot of games, I just don't know how he's, he, he's keeping that job. Yeah. Um, and I never call for anybody to be fired, and I'm not saying that now because I like the guy a lot. But, I mean, that's ridiculous. Iowa should have a good football team every year. They can recruit there, and they've proven it in the past. They have half a good football team. What's that? They have half a, half good, a football good football team. team. You're right. <laughs> half a good football team. Uh, are we uh, – we were talking about this before the show started. Three SEC teams and the Big, big Ten champ? Is that what we're looking at here? No, we're not. Because um, – we're not. Because um, – Look, Tennessee this week plays Kentucky at home. You know if you've watched this show, I'm a big Kentucky fan. I think they've got a good team. Uh, but I don't think they can score with Tennessee. Although Tennessee's defense is awful. I mean, it just, it, it's awful. They're ranked like 100th in the country. Um, the following week, Tennessee plays Georgia. Uh, that game is at Georgia. So Tennessee is going to lose that game, in my opinion. Georgia then is the winner of the East. But for all of you Brian Kelly haters out there, and there are a ton of you out there, including you guys sitting over there. No. Okay. Oh, I do. I mean, look, LSU plays Alabama. LSU is off this week. They play Alabama at home the following week. And the winner of that game, based on LSU already beating Ole Miss over the weekend. The winner of that game goes to the SEC Championship. What if Brian Kelly ends up leading LSU to the SEC Championship game? They have two losses already. Hear me out here. Big 12 champ, TCU. Well, I'm a TCU guy. Can you, can you keep TCU out? If they go undefeated no, you, and there's win no the way. Big 12, no, they no. got to get in. No, they, there's no way. Look, the Pac-12 is not going to have a team in. I read an article yesterday that said Oregon's the best one-loss team in the country. Give me a break. Well, I mean, give me a break. Yeah. Um, 
No, if TCU goes undefeated, they are definitely in because you're going to have, if it plays out, the winner of Ohio State-Michigan wins the Big Ten championship, although I don't think that's a layup against Illinois. It's not a layup. But let's, let's say the winner of that game goes undefeated, okay? You're going to have probably two teams in the SEC, right? Yeah. They get in that playoff. Yeah. And then you got to have somebody else. Now, is that somebody else Clemson? No. Is that somebody else TCU? Or if those two teams go undefeated, do both of them go ahead of a second team from the SEC? I would, I would. Clemson's undefeated. I know they are, man, and that's tough. Are we really going to stick in it? Clemson's just. They're they're undefeated. Brutal. I know they are, Tom. I know they are, and we can't keep them out if they're undefeated, I guess. But, oh, man, let's get TCU in there if we're not. Clemson, really? We're doing that again? Well, I know one thing. If you go straight resume, okay, and and, 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 and Casey, you and I were talking about this before. Really, if you stop and look at it, okay, if you take the top five teams in the country, okay, let's say six. You got six unbeatens left. Of all the unbeaten teams, Ohio State, Michigan, Georgia, Tennessee, TCU, Clemson. Of all six of those teams, TCU by far has the best resume. It's not even close. They've beaten four strength, four straight ranked teams, and you can say, well, the Big 12 is this or that. The bottom line is Clemson has, an, you know, they, they beat Syracuse. Okay. They beat Wake Forest. Oh, okay. All right. Th- th- those are good teams. NC Fine. State? Okay. Yeah, okay. They're, not, Al- they're so, not Alabama. No, no, no. But, but neither are the teams in the, in the, you know, I mean, let's face it. When, when, when TCU beat Oklahoma, Oklahoma – was you know undefeated and they yeah, were, yeah, and, yeah. and now they're, they're they're talking about firing their coach, but but all I'm saying is they've still got a couple of tough games left. But they're but, but as far as wins, their quality wins are better than Ohio State. They're better than Michigan, as far as quality wins are concerned. Now, okay, yeah. they're better than Alabama, Tennessee. Maybe you put them in there. Maybe they, you know they, they've gotten some nice wins so far this year. Uh, and, and then Clemson, a couple of decent wins. But TCU, they're right there. Yeah, I put TCU. I mean, I guess, I guess if you're looking at it right now, like you said, you're probably looking at the Big Ten winner. You're looking at Georgia. Well, so whoever wins the SEC. There's two. That, the SEC winner. Big Ten, you're assuming it's one of Ohio State or Michigan. Yep. Probably. It'd, it'd be, you'd be, have a hard time saying it's not one of those two. Yep. And then from there, Tennessee, Alabama. Georgia, if they lose. TCU. If TCU goes undefeated, they're in. It's a shame that Oregon got blown out in week one because I I know you don't want to hear it, Tom, and I know it's a Pac-12 team. They are much better than they were in week one. They have gotten a lot better. They are much improved. They're not going to get in the playoff because everybody's going to point to a 40-some point blowout. I don't think they probably should at this point. But it is a shame that that score was not – 28-25 28-25 in week one, and it was a, an absolute disaster for Oregon because otherwise you'd be talking about a one-loss Oregon team that eh, maybe could sneak in if they win the Pac-12. But I, I just don't see that being a And factor. then, fellas, you get into the whole thing, which is, which is really a great point by Andrew, okay? What if, okay, what, and again, I love playing this what if kind of thing. It's kind of fun. Uh, but, but we'll leave you with this thought, Okay. And Andrew points this out. If you're talking about one-loss teams, when all is said and done, okay, 
And let's just focus on the Big Ten and the SEC. If you add one team that's undefeated in each conference, let's pick them. It doesn't matter who it is, okay? If you have a one-loss Michigan team, a one-loss Tennessee team, a one-loss Alabama team, a one-loss Ohio State team, what do you do with them? Yeah, I know. All right. We're back with Zim Hudek in just a moment. All right, welcome to Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. We have our Bengals report coming up here. Is our buddy with us yet? No, he is not yet. Okay. The Bengals report brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data-centered world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing models to improve efficiency and productivity. It's a great company. Visit Encore.tech. The path to innovation begins here. We got some comments from who? We got uh, stuff from Burrow and from Taylor. All right, let's roll it. Well, I hope you all listened to me as I got up here at 0-2 and just said, just be patient. This, this season is very young. We know what type of team we have. I know the faith that I have in these players and coaches, and that's what they've done. And again, this, this season's, you know, it's still in its infancy stages. Um, today gave us a chance to separate a little bit. And, and that's what we need. And, but we know what's, what's on task next week. You know, Monday Night Football at Cleveland, that's a big game for us. And our guys will be amped up and ready to go. Give us an extra day here to get healthy. And um, our guys will be ready for the challenge. I mean, every single game we've had spots where we were really, really good. And it's just about sustaining it over a, a whole game, stringing together games where, where we're lights out. And so we've, we've done that the last two weeks. we got to continue to do it. And I love those comments by Burrow because really at the end of the day, uh, if you really want to get picky, and this is what these guys do, when they're in the meeting room right now and they're down there right now, okay, they get Tuesdays off, they've already broken down all the film and they're looking at the good things, as Joe Burrow just pointed out in the Saints game, and the, and the not-so-good things. And then in yesterday's game, um, you score one touchdown in the second half. Now, they may not have been trying to, to air it out and do all the things they did in the first half, but I can promise you they're sitting there and they're saying, okay, we could have been a little bit better here. We could have been a little bit better there. And then you piece the whole thing together. You got back-to-back 30-point-plus games. Burrow has, has just looked fantastic. Uh, I don't know how anybody in their right mind um, – Cannot believe that Burrow's not one of the three or four top quarterbacks in a league. I mean, there was all that talk about Justin Herbert early in the year. Now, in fairness to Herbert, okay, and, and, and we said on this program, Herbert can't care a Burrow's jock, at least for my money. But Herbert is a tough dude, and he's a talented guy. He's played through broken ribs. They've lost uh, three-fifths of their offensive line. They lose yesterday to a surprising Seattle Seahawks team, and, you know, all the stuff all of a sudden going on there with Geno Smith. But, uh, you know, you look at Mahomes, you look at Allen, and you look at Burrow. And for me, Rodgers is starting to fall off. I don't know what's going on there. Brady is having all kinds of things. And you know what? I, I got a soft spot in my heart uh, for, for whatever's going on with Brady. I saw my parents got divorced. It was an ugly thing. I have no doubt in my mind he is a human being. He's not a robot. There's a lot going on there. There's a lot going on there besides just playing football. Uh, he does not look like 
the guy used to be, and he's in his 40s. And may, may, maybe it's that time. I'm not going to rule him out yet. It's Tom Brady. But, fellas, I mean, Burrow's right there, right? Absolutely. Absolutely, he's right there. He's a better player than Lamar Jackson. Agreed. Better quarterback. He can't run like Lamar, but he runs well enough, and he is 10 times the passer Lamar Jackson is. I agree. And it's really unfortunate because we – we as fans have watched every snap of Joe, and we know what he what he's capable of. I mean, we just saw it on display yesterday. I mean, the dude just never misfires the ball. Like, he just is always on target. I mean, he had a ridiculous adjusted completion percentage of, like, what, 87 88%? So you're telling me yep. he, he literally throws it on target 88% of the time? Like, that's insane to me because um, I can't throw worth a damn. <laughs> and, I mean, <laughs> most of the quarterbacks in, in the NFL wish that they could throw at least at a 65%. That's a bad day for Joe Burrow, 65%. Oh, there's, and, and that's where that number has changed so much just in recent years. You know, it used to be you wanted a guy about 55. Then guys like Breeze come along, sets the all-time record, breaks Kenny Anderson's record right. You know, now, now you want it in the 60s. Then you want it in the high 60s. And, and a guy like Burrow, if you give him the time to throw it, he's go, he is going to contend for the best completion percentage in a single season in the history of football one of these years. He's that accurate. Yeah, if you're going and you're talking about a guy like Lamar Jackson, it's the classic thing of if you're starting a franchise, who would you, who would you take? And yep. If you want to play the game, we could go around the rest of the NFL – who are you taking right now if you're starting a franchise or if you're if you're looking at the quarterbacks? You have some young guys, guys like like Josh Allen, Pat Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow. Yep. All in that conversation. I know there's a few I'm leaving out, but guys that but those are younger guys. guys, Derek yep. Carr. Yep. You know. Yeah, yeah but He's I'm just I'm just group. saying guys guys on the younger side. You know, you're not gonna. You're not going to look at, at Tom Brady or Joe or uh, Aaron Rodgers. But one thing, Tom, you're not going to catch me doing is you're not going to catch me writing off Tom Brady. You're I'm with you on that. You are not – I am not going to be the idiot sitting up here just like everybody for 10 years since Brady was like 35, 36 years old and he'd have a couple of bad weeks yep. and he'd say no. – Now, do I think that there is a little more this year to it than maybe there was in years past? Sure. But you're not going to catch me being the guy – to write off the greatest quarterback of all time and say, you know, all, you're starting to see all these media types come out of the woodworks and and plant their flag in the sand and and say, hey, look, you know, we were right the whole time. Like Brady was on the, he's he's on the down. He might be a little bit, you know, I'm not saying he's not declining, but I'm just. Let's, I, let's just hang on a second before you continue. Uh, I'm done. Does this sound does this sound like a declining quarterback to you? 1,942 yards, eight touchdowns, one interception, and a 92.8 passer rating. You're talking about Brady? Mm -hmm. it's, okay. the, it's the team. That's 67%. Yeah, but, but, but it's the whole vibe Yeah, of the it's team. the team. I mean, they're not yeah. scaring anybody. They're not – I mean, I, I know those numbers, and again, you know, they can, they can paint a story, and, 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 and it's a valid point. But right now and, – and, and look, they play in a crappy division, Okay. Uh, they're three and four, and they're tied for first place with the team we saw yesterday here in Cincinnati. Oof. So, I mean, it's not like they got to be world beaters to win that division and get in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah to, okay? me, to me, but it's their offensive line. They play this Thursday night against the Ravens. Um, 
that that it's not one of those games that's going to define where they go this season. But uh, there has to be an incredible sense of urgency for that Tampa Bay team um, for this game on Thursday night. They're lucky yeah. they're in the NFC South. Yeah. No doubt. Because that I mean, they're at three and four in first place. Yeah, they might be three and five and still in first place. Yeah, they might That's be. Because the- I'm not sure how many teams Atlanta's going to beat. When you just don't throw the ball and can't throw the ball at all. I know the week before they were – 13 out of 14, whatever it is, Mariota. But, I mean, even yesterday, and that's their game plan. They fall behind in games, and they still run the ball, and that's fine. But, you know, in that second half, when you're down 28-17, um, you've got you've to be able to throw the ball a little bit to get, the, get, get back in the game, and they can't do it. So if, if Tampa Bay can't win that division, then a whole bunch of people ought to be fired. Yeah. It's, to me, when I look at the just the stats, just the numbers for the uh, – Tampa Bay in general, I mean, they just can't run the ball. I mean, that that's a sign yep. that their offensive line is struggling, which it is. Yep. And that also affects Tom Brady and his ability to throw the football, even though he's not doing that bad, like I mentioned before, throughout those numbers. Um, it, it hurts when you lose an Alex Kappa or an all-pro center. I mean, that's your interior of the offensive line. And then I'm pretty sure they've had some injuries on the tackles. So, I mean, I'm not going to rule them out. But it it is definitely showing that without the run game, that Tom Brady is really struggling. Well, and then the other guy, it gets us to Rodgers. And let me know when Zim Hude. Have you sent him him a link and everything? I did. I'm going to ask this guy where he is here because he's supposed to be here. Zim. Um. So, then you get to uh, Aaron Rodgers. Now, all of our guys here at Chatterbox Sports, and we got a lot of smart guys around here, you two notwithstanding, um, <laughs> but, 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 but Trace and Sean and Sean and Reed and all of us are back there talking about Brady, okay? Now, some of those guys say, well, Devontae Adams is gone. We you know mean, that. You mean Rodgers. I'm sorry, Rodgers. Okay. Uh, thank you. Um, but that the NFL is loaded with a guys loaded with guys who can play wide receiver. There are a lot of great athletes with good hands and good players and all that kind of thing. And it's not like, you know, it's not like Green Bay has a bunch of stiffs. But Rodgers isn't getting these guys the ball. And 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 I'm just amazed. And maybe there's a lesson in there that, that I should try and learn. You, you can learn them every second of your life. But he, he's like, ah, we're not worried. Three and four. You just lost to the Washington Commanders. Wizards. Yeah, they, they, yeah that's right. As Vach would say, the Washington football Wizards. Uh, the Commanders stink. Taylor Heineke. Yeah, Taylor Heineke. I do like Heineke. games. Ultimate underdog. He's back. He's back, that's baby. Right. He's like a roach after a nuclear war. He never goes away. I mean, it, it really is funny, and I've talked to you a little bit about this, Tom. Is that, like, I'm from D.C. I'm from Northern Virginia. Uh, so I see a lot of that. DC, Washington, Twitter spill over yep. onto my timeline. And it really is funny seeing how much the DC fan base enjoys Taylor Heineke. And maybe that's just because of the frame of reference that they have with Carson Wentz. But man, my timeline was electric last week when Carson Wentz was out and Taylor Heineke was coming in. Uh, hey, he just, you know, he just goes out there. He doesn't have anything to lose. That's right. He plays a little bit with a chip on his shoulder. He can win you a football game. He yeah. did. He did last year, yeah. right? That that in fact, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna say this, and I'm not 100% sure this is right. I think he was the starting quarterback for Washington in that playoff game yes, that they had was. against the Bucks. Washington played the Bucks closer in that Super Bowl run than any team the rest of the way. That's right. That's right. And, and they keep bringing in guys to replace him, and, and there he was, and, and he wins a game, and I love those kinds of stories. Guess who's back this week? Who? Your good friend and mine, Leif Erickson. Oh, oh yeah. Yes. Back from pillaging. Uh, he says, listen, uh, and then Justin Fields says, don't forget to smash that like button uh, if you're watching on YouTube because he says it helps out the stream. So, that it does. you know, please hit the like button. We got a bunch of them. Andrew points out, Evans dropped a wide open 75-yard touchdown yesterday. Yeah. Okay, but that would have been their only touchdown of the game. Uh, I don't know where our guy Zim is. Normally, he's reliable as the sun rising in the east. That's okay. He's probably still celebrating yeah. the, bang- the, the, the Bengals win, Tom. Right. I would not be surprised, although he did not go to the game yesterday. He was hanging out and doing his streaming thing. Did do you, you guys watch that? Do you watch that, Casey? I do not watch it, okay. but I was going to ask if you did. No, I, I probably should have. Next week, I will turn it on Monday night uh, when uh, Luke and I, and we'll try to talk my wife into watching a little bit of it, but she's sort of checked out on that by now. And, um, and maybe my dad comes over. Hey, and, and, yeah. and maybe you go ahead and watch Zim and turn down the sound on the television. You're trick-or-treating next week. Those days are over for us. Oh, what are you going to be for Halloween, Tom? I'm not. Oh. I'm going to be Tom Brenneman, which is to the, to the <laughs> chagrin of most of my family. My son thinks I'm pretty cool, though. But the rest of them I'm not so sure about. <laughs> AJ says Zim is hungover. That's not nice. That's not nice. Uh, how about a shout-out for Sam Hubbard, says AJ. Absolutely. This guy's playing great. He's had a career season so far. Yes, he has. And it always seems like whenever like something bad happens, like we get an injury or we gave up something big, he turns it around like the next play and just makes a sack or yep. he makes like a tackle for loss. I don't know what it is this year, but he's just been on fire, and I love it. I Tell love you what it. I love about him is, it, it, one, his fire and his passion. He's playing for his hometown team, right? And, and, and then he stays in state, goes to Ohio State, after initially, a lot of people don't remember this. Initially, he had committed to play lacrosse at Notre Dame. He was the best lacrosse player in the state of Ohio when he weighed about 215 pounds. And I'll never forget, I'll never forget this as long as I live. Urban Meyer had taken over the coach at Ohio State. And, and Urban and I are, are, are friends. In fact, I'm going to see him this week. I like the guy. Some people may not like him. I like him. Um, but I remember when he came down to Moeller, and he came down to look at somebody else, and he sees Sam Hubbard playing in a dodgeball game over at Moeller High School while they're waiting to talk to somebody else. And he says to the coach over there, he says, who's that guy? He's like, oh, well, that's Sam Hubbard. He's going to play lacrosse at Notre Dame. <laughs> and just watching him move around and run around, he's like, well, I might want to look at this guy. So he's a football player, right? He said, I've heard of, heard of him. He says, yeah, he's a good football player. Safety. Wasn't a lineman. He wasn't a big, huge guy. I mean, for high school, he was big. But Urban gets him into Ohio State to play football. The first year they get there, I'm up there to do a game. And I asked Urban, I said, hey, by the way, how's Sam Hubbard doing? It was his first year there. Cincinnati kid. Would just, it was curious how all that played out. 
He said more than any other player I've ever had. Bowling Green, Utah, Florida, now Ohio State. Think of all the athletes that guy's coached. He said more than any other player I've ever had. I have an enormous fight going on between the coaches on offense and the coaches on defense. They both want Hubbard on their side of the ball. They were redshirting Hubbard. So the offense wanted him as a tight end. The defensive guys wanted him as a safety linebacker, maybe a little too lean as far as uh, lineman is concerned. Urban said, I made the decision. We're going to make him a defensive player. We're going to make him a lineman. And this time next year, he's going to weigh about 255. This was up from 215. Yeah. He said in a year from now, this guy's going to weigh 35, 40 pounds more. He said, and then two years after that, he's going to weigh about 270. He said he's going to be first, second, third round pick in the NFL draft as a lineman. Yeah, and he's now at 270. Yeah, just and he was what, second round pick? I think he was a third round. Third round pick? Okay. I mean, it, it, amazing journey for, uh, for Sam Hubbard, for sure. He's playing great. I love his fire. Uh, he uh, is Hubbard's cub- Cupboard, I think it's called. Yep. That's his big charity thing. He's got that going on, and he plays with such great discipline. He doesn't seem to make that mistake when you play the RPO teams and all that kind of thing where he's getting beat around the edge. He's always in contain mode, that kind of thing. So he, he's playing great. Is Brian Billick with us already? He is. He's right. joined us. All right. Let's go to our main man, our NFL Breaking it down, coast to coast, Brian Billick. I saw you were at the Ravens game yesterday. I saw some picture on social media. You went back for that Cleveland game? I did. I was uh, uh, doing the uh, radio for Ravens radio. Rod Woodson uh, had, who normally does it, uh, had an had a, uh, engagement. So uh, I filled in for him, and it was great fun. Good game. Give me your impressions, Brian, on what's going on in Cleveland because, you know, um, They've lost four of their five games by a total of 11 combined points. Four losses, three points or fewer. Um, For the first time, people are screaming uh, that Stefanski should be replaced. Allegedly, there's a bunch of screaming and yelling going on in the locker room after the game. What are your impressions of the Browns? Boy, that that one one would shock me because I think Kevin Stefanski is doing a hell of a job. That's a good football team. They ran the ball extremely well. And they stayed with the run. Um, Jacoby Brissett played well, as he typically does in terms of didn't make the big mistake, made the kind of throws you needed to make. When they got into some good checks, when he saw a single high one, took some vertical shots to to Amari Cooper. Um, They got late into the game where there's those two really good tight ends. And Juku, I can't remember the other kid's name, but they they went down because they went into the game with a bunch of two tight ends and they got into trips and spread and they pounded away against that Raven defense and, and looked pretty good. Um, but then the, the two tight ends went down. So they were in the crunch time, they were relegated to, to 11 personnel, three wides, still ran the ball pretty good, actually got into position uh, and a field goal uh, and then uh, jumped off sides and backed it up and therefore it got blocked. But they were, they were right there in Baltimore to the end. And uh, I think it's just a matter of it's a team that's a good team. 
you know, they're, they're adjusting to the fact that Deshaun Watson isn't there. That was the plan. Jacoby Brissett's playing pretty good. They're running the ball pretty well. Secondary's okay. Uh, the two ends, obviously, uh, DeJavion Clowney and Miles Garrett are the real deal. Um, so this is a good football team. But like a lot of teams in the NFL, you know, the margins are tight. And it doesn't take but a play or two. And now, obviously, that's the mindset for them. It's, oh, my God, if it gets to crunch time. And the Ravens were the same way. We got in the fourth quarter. And 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 believe me, the fans and everybody were going, oh, God, here we go again. Because the Ravens have given up some leads mm-hmm. uh, in the second half. So uh, uh, the Ravens pulled it out. But uh, the Browns played, I thought, very well. I want to ask you because, uh, you know, look, call me crazy. Uh, and that's fine. You have many times in all our years together right. broadcasting games. Um, I have to tell you, Brian, when I look at guys that I think can win you a Super Bowl if they're surrounded by the right cast of characters, and that's key for everybody, whether it's for a quarterback, your offensive line, your weapons, being healthy, running the ball, mixing it up, pass run, all that kind of stuff. I got to tell you, Brian, the, the more and more I watch it, I don't think Lamar Jackson is in the same category as Burrow, Mahomes, and Allen. I think you get to bad weather, which typically it's going to be in in, in those uh, AFC cities. Certainly those four I just mentioned, Baltimore, Cincinnati, Kansas City, Buffalo, when you get late in the year and, and into January in the playoffs. I just don't think Lamar Jackson beats you the way those other those other three can beat you. Well, uh that aside, you're not wrong. You are crazy, but you're not wrong in this. Uh, actually, the reason you said that the, Lamar Jackson's ability to run late in the season when the passing game might be a little affected actually could be a, a an asset. Yep. But I, I will agree with you in that of the names you just mentioned, I don't know too many people that would take Lamar Jackson. And that's saying a lot because this is a dynamic player. But the other night, he, you know, they ran the ball well because they, they wanted to. They ran the ball 44 times, but only for 160 yards. But they stuck with it. Uh, um, uh, the Browns actually had time possession. The, the Browns ran for 113 yards. Uh, and and Jacoby Brissett was very – he was 22 of 27. I don't think he had an incompletion in the first half. Um, but Lamar Jackson was 9 of 16. Okay, pedestrian, but that's all they really needed. That's what mm-hmm. he did. Uh, he ran as typical. He ran around for about 60 yards and some big plays, which made a difference. But I agree with you in that I don't know. I certainly, as much as I like Lamar Jackson, and he's a dynamic player. I mean, he was an MVP. Um, I, I, Josh Allen, uh, Burrow, Mahomes, absolutely. There's no way. I don't know who too many football people that wouldn't take one of those three over Lamar Jackson. All right, on the other side of the coin, you were one of the first ones to make this point. And I've not heard many guys nationally make this point, but you were right there spot on when the early struggles of the Green Bay Packers uh, began. And they've been going on quite a while now. Um, You thought, and I don't want to put words in your mouth to misspeak, but you, you thought that maybe Aaron was a little detached in kind of saying, hey, you know, we're going to be okay. He did it again yesterday. And Brian, I don't know if it's because Devontae Adams is gone. I don't know all the particulars about the Packers. But 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 something is not right with Aaron Rodgers right now. You you have any feel for that and what it might be? I, I think there's such a fine line between 
particularly for the great players, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go real cerebral on you here, but uh, a concert pianist one time said, if I remember correctly, said, if if um, if I don't practice for a week, the the audience will know it. If I don't practice for two days, the conductor will know it. If I don't practice for a day, I know it. Meaning that you're, you're at such a high level that you can continue to perform and most people aren't going to be able to tell the difference, but you will tell the difference. I, I think Aaron Rodgers is not emotionally, mentally, I don't know physically if there's an issue or not, but I don't know if he's, he's at that level that we're so used to seeing him. And you've got, even the great ones, you got to be at that level every week. And that's what makes them great because the Tom Brady's and the Aaron Rodgers and the Peyton Manning's for the most part, every week show up that way with that steely-eyed, unbelievable focus to that allows you to play at such an elite level. And it doesn't take much, just a little bit, incremental, where if you don't have that, you don't have that commitment, you don't have the passion, you don't have the belief in what you're doing, you don't have the belief in the people around you, even if just a little... It, it takes you out of that elite category. And I think I think that's where Aaron Rodgers is right now. All right, well, you mentioned the other guy. Uh, and I said before you came on, uh, you know, I watched my parents go through a brutal divorce. Uh, and, and I have a very soft spot in my heart for anybody. I don't care what you do for a living that's going through that. And apparently that's what's going on right now with Tom Brady. You've got children involved. This guy's not a robot. He's the greatest quarterback of all time as far as winning Super Bowls. That cannot be denied. Uh, but there's something going on, and I don't know what. Maybe it's those things combined with just not a very good offensive line, combined with just not a very good offensive team. But Tampa Bay, not a touchdown against Carolina? Yeah. I think, and, and much like I was just talking about, you take everything I just said, about Aaron Rodgers and you put it into Tom Brady and now you add the emotional and mental upheaval of just as you outlined a, a man going through obviously some struggles off the field in his personal life as much as Tom Brady and has been brilliant and his work ethic and shows up every day I mean it it's got to have an effect and I think we're seeing that it's subtle, like I said, and compounded that, you know, the, we're getting, the, you know, we've been saying it for a while. At some point, Tom Brady's age is going to be a factor. Now, I don't know if we're there yet. I'm not the one to put the stamp on that and say he's done. He just, but, but we can see it from here. And if that is a fact, now you put that perfect storm together and the mental and the emotional is, 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 compounding just a little bit maybe of what would be natural a little bit of the physical decline um yeah th this is what you get the question is can you pull it back out because physically he is going to be what he is he's still going to have those issues can he indeed step it up and then the things going around them you know mike evans dropping the ball that yep. deep ball down the middle now how how often do you see that but it doesn't take but a couple of those that all of a sudden now and then it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy of Oh my God, you could see it with the Ravens the other day when they got into the fourth quarter and it was going to come down to crunch time. As good a team and they've been at it a long time and they've been there. The fans, the players, you could tell there was, uh oh, here we go. And the only way past it is to get past it and win. And they did. And maybe that will be the catalyst for them. But, but uh, uh, it doesn't take much for that unique winning dynamic 
that puzzle, one little piece is missing, and all of a sudden, it's the whole engine shuts down. You know, conversely, I want to ask you about a guy. Nobody saw this coming. Geno Smith uh, out in Seattle. You know, uh, Russell Wilson gets traded. I remember you and I doing uh, a couple of Jets games when he was there going back a number of years ago. And, you know, Geno Smith had his moments uh, of some pretty good play there. And then all of a sudden, you know, he did a couple things, weren't so smart. Uh, their, their team obviously was not very good. And for a high draft pick, uh, he gets shipped off and really never gets a chance to play again. Now all of a sudden it sort of falls in his lap. And Brian, you look at some of the you look at some of the numbers, and I'm not a big numbers guy, but so far this year, you know, he's in the top five, six in multiple categories. He's got the fourth best quarterback rating in the NFL. And most importantly, he has his team in first place in the NFC West. Yeah. And, and who'd have thunk it? I mean, Seattle, you got to give Pete Carroll and that organization credit for. But let's, let's look at the Charger game, okay? And he was brilliant. It was 20 of 27 for over 200 yards. They ran the ball 34 times for 214 yards. So Geno Smith, who I think is a solid quarterback, he's not unlike Jacoby Brissett, who I was very impressed with yesterday. You And this sounds silly because, yeah, if you put the right people around – I mean, you put the right people around me, even my golf game can look okay. But <laughs> but you put the right in and I'm what I mean by the right people that complement what he does. You you run the you get to run the ball 30 plus times for over 200 yards, and Jacoby Brissett keeps that at a 25, or excuse me, uh Geno Smith keeps that at a 25, 30 pitch count, and the defense is playing well. Uh, you know, and the defense did play well. They kept the 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 uh, uh chargers under 60 yards rushing, um, got to the quarterback. Uh, you, you, yeah, Geno Smith can, can, can prosper in that. Now, the question becomes when he's got to make that 40-45 game, 40-45 throw game, and it's okay, defense is struggling, we're not running the ball well, okay, Geno, this, this has got to totally go on your shoulders. That's the one on a consistent level, you know, we'll have to see. But certainly within – the way they're playing right now, um, yeah, he, he can he they can win some games if they can keep this total dynamic together. All right, last thing I want to ask you. I want to ask you about three teams and just give me, are you a buy or a sell on where they are so far? The two teams in New York, right? Jets are five and two, Giants are six and one. So let's start with those two. Where are you with those two? And we got one more to ask you about. Yeah, you got to buy. I mean, they've earned that right to, to, to be in that category, not the least of which is, and you look at their divisions, and and notwithstanding for the Jets, you know, looking up at, at, at Buffalo. So the Jets are becoming, they're going to become a part of the AFC wildcard division here pretty soon. And and they can match up with that. Uh, and the Giants, as, as hard as it is, and you're wondering, Saquon Barkley is such a difference. Uh, they're getting, uh, Brian Dable's doing a great job. He's playing complimentary football. He's playing smart. Is it enough to, to win a championship? I, I, hard to say, but when you could you got Saquon Barkley and that group, they ran almost 40 times for 236 yards. So, so now, just like we said about uh, Geno Smith, so now Daniel Jones, he's at 25, mm -hmm. 30. You know? So again, and playing good, solid defense. You keep that balance, then yeah, the Giants for real, particularly in that division. So yeah, I'm right. buying both. 
All right, last team I want to ask you about is Minnesota. Quietly, uh, a 5-1 and one record, had a bye week this week. Uh, their division does not look uh, very, very good at all. I mean, you, you would think they cakewalk through Chicago and Detroit. Green Bay, we'll see. You buy in Minnesota, Kirk Cousins, guy been around a long time, gets beat up for not winning a big one. But what do you think of that team? Yeah, I, I'm buying until we get to the playoffs. Okay. Because then that's going to be – because they've got some talent now. We, we've done we've done Minnesota game. I mean, Dalvin Cook is the real deal. I love Dalvin Cook. And, and he, just such a complete – and you look at that receiving core of Jefferson and Thielen. Can you imagine if Diggs was still with Minnesota? Yeah. That trio, that – wow. But Jefferson and, and Thielen, um, and so and, – and, and a good solid defense – you know they're 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 not gonna they're not gonna make a huge amount of mistakes. Solid front seven. Um, so yeah, I'm buying Minnesota again in a very questionable division right now. Now we'll see when we get into the playoffs. Although in the NFC, yeah, they could you know because who's who's that dominant team in the NFC? Philly. Okay, we'll see we'll see if they can sustain that. But I'm I'm good with that outside of Philly right now. Uh, I don't know that there's anybody in the NFC that you're going, boy, because everybody's shown some warts here, whether it's the Rams, Seattle's looking better, you know, and good. But are you really, okay, is this a really champ? So, so yeah, when we say Minnesota in the division and Minnesota in this conference, yeah, they can they can make a run at this thing. Yeah, clearly the power right now has shifted to there. We'll, we'll see when all is said and done. But the, the power has clearly been shifting primarily in large part due to the quarterback play. Uh, to the AFC. Brian, thank you for your time, my friend. Have a great rest of your week. We'll do it. All right. Brian Billick, kind enough to join us. Uh, boy, he has just such phenomenal insight on stuff, you know, because he's been down this road. He's had good teams. Most of his teams were really good. I think six of his nine teams in Baltimore went to the playoffs. He had one bad year, and that was the year he got run after signing a, a seven-year, 28, or, or a four-year, $28 million contract. And he got fired in the first year. <laughs> yeah. It's not bad. Collect $21 million to hang out and broadcast games with me. Not bad. Well, there's good and bad to everything. Um, Tom, while we have a second here, just want to point out to the all the people watching on YouTube that if you didn't catch us at the beginning of the show, you can subscribe and podcast for them. If you go down into the YouTube description down below, uh, there's podcast links for every podcast platform for this show also the social media links down there too so i know you i know you mentioned it at the beginning tom but now with all these numbers of people watching it in the comments section just want to make sure yeah, our that, numbers are going up yeah yep. yeah so just want to make sure that if you go down there into the description below this video uh make sure you like the video and everything but if you go down in the description you can download subscribe to the podcast on all those networks we also broke our record we got to 80 so how about that? Give a shout out to all the viewers. Amen. We thank everybody. We've got regulars here. Andrew again brings up a great point. The New York Jets are the first team since Tim Tebow's Broncos, which you may remember won a playoff game. Everybody rips Tim Tebow. He's won more playoff games than a lot of guys out there, which is one. Uh, but the first time since Tebow's Broncos to win consecutive games with less than 105 passing yards. How about that? Yeah, and also their uh, running back, um, Bryce Young, Bryce, Bryce Hall. Hall, Bryce, got Bryce hurt. Bryce Young, he got hurt. Could be for the year, right? Could be for the year. So well, I, I don't, I don't expect the Jets to continue there. Tay, I don't know. You know, there's so much to be said when you play that, that, that last place schedule. 
Now, you know, it doesn't mean that every team that's on that schedule was expected to be bad, is bad. You know, and, and, and you look at the Jets, and, and they had to play this year with Flacco for Zach Wilson for the first half of their game. Since Wilson has come back, they've not lost. Um, he's played very well. Um, but, man, when you're playing, and that's what the Giants are playing, that's what the Jets are playing, uh, they're playing that, and that's the, where the NFL is so smart and where at the start of the year, you know, you're healthy, some guys are playing well, Giants have Barkley back, um, you know, they, they, they've taken some chances with their first-year head coach, and you look up, and they're 6-1. and one. Jets are 5-2. and two. Um, Minnesota, you know, they weren't a last-place team last year, but you know, Cousins – in the big one, uh, I just don't see it happen. I'm with Brian on that. I, I just don't see I don't know why uh, has put up good numbers in his career. On any given game, he can look like the best quarterback in the history of football. But to win the big one, I don't see it. But, fellas, he brings up a great point. Uh, and we talk primarily on this show about the AFC and the Bengals and all that kind of thing. That NFC, um, I thought the 49ers were starting to get on a roll. Now they've lost two in a row. Right? Right. Um, you, you know, the Rams, you're kind of waiting for them. They've had some injuries on the offensive line. I wouldn't count them out quite yet, the Rams. Not yet. Um, but then you start bouncing around. You got Philly 7-0. and You got Minnesota 6-1 and or 5-1. and You got the Giants 6-1. and Dallas has lost, what, twice? Yes. Okay, they so lost. they're one game behind. And then in the, the NFC South, we've talked about Tampa Bay and, and New Orleans, under 500 leading the division i mean that thing's wide open yeah pretty much it's really weird uh like last year this is just me thinking about how i thought of the season last year everyone was saying the nfc least and now they're like they're the damn nfc east everyone in that division the beast. Is pretty yeah the beast they're pretty good the giants yep Eagles, Cowboys, man, that's going to be a tough division to really pinpoint who's going to win because even with Dak back, he still looked pretty pedestrian, unfortunately. I don't know if it was just because it was first game back or what, but that Lions game was tough to watch. And uh, you know how I all thought about the Lions at the beginning of the season. Bless my heart. Uh, they suck. Um, <laughs> but, man, that NFC East, pretty damn good. Um that NFC South is miserable. Brutal. I, I, I've counted the Rams Brutal. out. I've counted the, the, the Cardinals out. Although 40. now they're only one game out of first. Yeah. The Cardinals. Surprisingly. They're one game out because of the struggles recently by the Niners uh, and by the Rams. So collectively as a show, I just need to make sure we're all on the same page. Are we in on the Giants? I'm not. I'm not either. Okay. I love their run game. I think he's the best running back in the NFL. I've said that before. When he's healthy, nobody is more dynamic, more explosive, more powerful, nothing than Barkley. I'm just not a Daniel Jones guy. Yeah, and we talked. Are about, you? We talked about this before. They have such an easy schedule. Yeah, like they got a, they got away with having the Packers on their schedule and how bad Aaron Rodgers has played. That's the only team that they've played. I think that is the Ravens. They got away with the Ravens too, with them struggling. But, I, again, I don't like the Ravens. I think they're not as good as people make them out to be. And the Titans, they 
got away with that uh, that call that to go for it for two to win the game that yep. that might have actually set them up to possibly win this thing out. Like, look at the next three or four games they got. They play Seattle, which that might be that's one good game. game. That's going to be the one game on their schedule here, and besides the Cowboys. Um, that I think, but again, that's one of those games not to interrupt. But that's one of those games we pointed out earlier. When you get that last play schedule, you're playing teams that are coming off having a bad year, and sometimes they're decent teams. Yeah, yeah. So you thought Seattle, you know, okay, flip a coin, you know, two crummy teams. You thought when the season started. Now all of a sudden that's a good game. But go ahead. After Seattle, they have who? So they got the Texans, then they play the Lions. So with, with those, if they can beat Seattle, right, you're already looking at eight wins on the season, right? They're no, that's nine wins on the season, just in the next three games. That's right. Then they play Cowboys. That's gonna be tough. Big game. They they already lost to them at home, so they gotta go to they gotta go to Jerry World. Then they play the Wizards. That's probably a winnable game for them. Yeah, for sure. Then they play the Eagles. They probably lose that game. But then they play the Wizards again. So you're already looking at maybe eleven wins if they can win the next three. Then they play the Vikings, which you and I both don't really trust the Vikings. No, but that's it's a tough game. I'm I'm in on the Giants more so than it seems like you guys are. I'm not going to sit here and say that they're the Super Bowl contenders. I'm a I'm a little bit more in, but I'm with you that I'm not totally sold yet. It's just hard to read into the schedule. That I I don't know though. I I, I think you, you see a couple of those wins. I mean, they're definitely in the wild card, right? Can we all agree on that? Well, no, but see, but here's the thing that's interesting about the NFC, win. right? Yeah. And, and, and here's the thing that, that's so interesting is, okay, in, and it may turn out to be this way. We'll see, okay? But when you look at the NFC going into the season, okay, you would look at Brady and Rodgers up here, right? And then you'd have some guys that on any given Sunday you could fill in and you have, uh, they could have great games. Dak Prescott. He's back now with the Cowboys. Kirk Cousins, right? We talked about Stafford and the Rams. Stafford gets hot. He can be hot. But of the guys right now that have their teams in quote-unquote playoff contention in the NFC, okay, we just talked about Cousins. You buying him in a big game? Then you've got Daniel Jones. Are you buying him at all? Are you buying Dak Prescott in a big game? I'm not. He hadn't proven to me with, with, with pretty good players. Uh, that he can win a big game. Um, and, and now you're into Geno Smith, right? And Jimmy Garoppolo. And, and these are the guys you have now that we're talking about. And, and Jalen Hurts. I love Jalen Hurts. But, I mean, he ain't Brady and Rodgers, right? From where they used to be anyway. They're nowhere close to the AFC side no. where you got to run into Burrow and Allen and Mahomes. And Lamar Jackson, right? Herbert. 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 Well, if they get in the playoffs, which they probably won't. But you know what I'm saying? It, it seems yeah. like the more and more you look at it and talk about it, the NFC is so wide open. And, and of the teams that would be in the playoffs right now, how many of those quarterbacks do you really believe in? I mean, Jimmy G did get the 49ers to a Super Bowl. He did. Yeah. If, if we're going to talk about quarterbacks, there's a reason that the 49ers' odds – improved to go to the Super Bowl when Trey Lance got hurt and Jimmy G got put in there. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. That's Their odds got shorter to win the Super Bowl when Jimmy G 
was instated as the quarterback after Trey Lance got hurt. Well, by, some, by the no, way, Don ahead. and Slurps, I was referencing the Commanders. They're the Washington Wizards. According to Vach. According to Vach and me. For, for those Until of you who were with us last week, we had Vach Lombardi on from Dallas. I mean, he's on his game. Uh, and he made the comment. He kept referring to Washington as the Washington Football Wizards because they changed their name from the Redskins, which he didn't like. They went with the uh, Washington football team. Uh, then they went to the Commanders, which he didn't like. And so he refers to them as the Washington Football Wizards, and we're continuing that. Yeah. They, sh- they should I, have kept the football team. They really should have. Yeah. I like that. I did, too. I did, too. Yeah. Um, but, it, you know, it's going to be exciting to see the way this whole thing plays out. Um, got, go you, ahead. Well, I got one baseball question for you as it relates to the parity of this of this – whole deal that you're talking about with the schedule baseball next year the teams are going to play everybody everybody do you think that that helps with the way that baseball sets up you look at the nfl and how the parity is created because of how the schedule is set up i i'd also like to ask another question since i'm new to baseball do they not play every team normally no no okay. what they what they do in the past was is that you would basically kind of like the nfl sets it up where you play more divisional games, well, baseball for sure, because there's more games, but you would play each team in your division 18 or 19 times, and then you would play every team in your league in two series, a home and home, six or seven games, and then you would play your natural rival in interleague play. For the Reds, that would be the Indians, guaranteed, home and home. It's turned into a two-and-two kind of – and then you're designated to a particular division of the other league. So this past year, if I'm not mistaken, I think the Reds played the American League East. So they played Boston, the Yankees, and Tampa Bay, and Baltimore, and all that kind of thing. Now, they're moving where you're playing fewer divisional games, okay? But now you're playing against every single team in baseball. At least one series, right? Or is it two, home and home? It's at least one. At least one. So what it does is, is it makes it certainly more fair uh, when you're looking at wildcard teams, especially, okay? Because if you're playing the American League East, if you're a Central Division team, which traditionally has been a very good division, Tampa's very good, Toronto has been good, we know about the Yankees, Boston generally has been pretty good, and Baltimore not so much, although much better this year. Um, You are clearly at a disadvantage if you're playing them in home-and-home series, then say a team in the National League East that might be playing the American League Central, where there was only one team over 500. The Twins were right around 500. But you know what I'm getting at here. So now all of a sudden, I think that's what it does. I'd agree, and I think it makes the sport a little more exciting, adds some intrigue, gives it some more national appeal, too. That's always been the criticism of baseball in the last couple decades and why baseball's popularity has declined is because it's become such a regional sport. I think playing everybody and seeing the Yankees go to all these different cities, seeing the Red Sox, seeing these big national brands travel to some of these smaller market teams more consistently, I think will help the sport grow, not just on the field. Well, that's at least they're, what they're like looking for something. I mean, they're, they, you know, they got the new rule changes that are being implemented this coming year, but it gets back to what I said. And I know it makes some of you analytics people go off the reservation. Okay, stay focused in your car if you're driving. Don't drive off the road if you're listening in podcast form. 
All right. The bottom line is, does it guarantee you're going to win if you spend money? No. Case in point this year, White Sox, Red Sox, Angels. Okay. But we documented last Wednesday, all the teams that made the playoffs, the only, they were in the top 11. Okay. All except for the Cardinals eliminated first round. And Cleveland, who got all the way to the American League Championship Series, uh, or pardon me, the Division Series, where they were eliminated. Uh, the, the four teams that were left, San Diego, Philadelphia, Houston, and the Yankees, were four of the top seven spending teams on payroll this year. Yeah. End of story. I mean, look at the Phillies. Just two of their players that they spent incredible money on. Bryce Harper, right, delivers the goods. Two-run home run in the eighth yesterday, delivers the goods. That's why you pay him. And Castellanos, he's not been great in the postseason, but he, he clearly has brought an edge and an energy and a toughness to that team that, um, that they needed. And just those two guys alone, you're paying 20 or more million dollars a year. Just those two. Forget Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola and Hoskins, and Real Muto making trades for those guys that are making some money. I mean, you go right on. Segura making good money. Um, they have Bryson Stott coming up from the minor leagues, too. Yeah, I mean, they've had some guys contribute you weren't yeah. expecting. But the bottom line is they have a huge team payroll, and, and so does Houston. And Houston even cut back some of their payroll this year. All right. Uh, we're going through our picks next, boys. Yep. Yes. See how we did in a yep. moment. All right, welcome back to uh, Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. We have a great conversation in our chat room. <laughs> AJ says, baseball sucks. So boring. Needs a salary cap. Give everybody a chance. Sir Boy Wonder says the same thing. Um, Ricky Vaughn, since retiring from the Indians, Says the Reds will make a playoff push in 2024. Yeah, I mean, everybody talking about, you know, how the Reds won 83 games last year. Phillies won 87 this year, and the Reds burned it down after 83. The Phillies wouldn't have even made the playoffs if we were using last year's format. There you go. All right, boys. Now, Paul, I mean, we can't figure if you're in and out. We don't know what the deal is uh, <laughs> with these picks between you and Seho. The only constants here are Casey and me. Um, so he made the picks last week. You made the picks the week before. So let's see how the Seho Fritchner team uh, does. Casey, let's start. Where are we starting? We're college? Starting. Yep, college. Okay. Had the Buckeyes to cover across the board, they cover. 54 to 10, cover a 30-point spread. I predict by the end of the week, the spread will be, it's at 15, or it's at 14, you said 13 now? 15 and a half. 15 and a half. 15 and a half. I, I, I'm predicting that will be up close to 20 by the end of the week at Penn State. I'm, you know, I'm going to take Ohio State no matter what, honestly, when it comes down to it. I know I love my, I love my Nittany Lions, but I'm not going to throw away that pick because I know that they're going to, just blow them out. Well, I'm going to wait and see what the line is. We'll wait and see. Right. Okay. Uh, the Bearcats. Casey, you're the only winner there. Yeah, I followed the system play. I don't know why. 
Well, Brandon's going to pick UC no matter what. If Paul was sitting here, he probably would have picked SMU. I was getting ready to say the same thing because, Paul, you said on your show, not yeah. too picky, that you liked the SMU play there. Yeah, I did like SMU in this game a lot. Just to cover, I thought UC was going to win, but I thought it would be a close game. Uh, I did like SMU a lot in this one, and they did cover. this. Although, Brandon, I will say, I, went, I was going through the picks. I think we agreed on pretty much all of them, but this one I did not. I would have picked SMU. All right. All right, what's next? Your Bobcats. Let's go Bobcats. They are a wagon. Why did they ever favor NIU to begin with? You know what? I I don't know. NIU, I think, came into that game at two and five. NIU at two and five. Yep. Ohio University had won three or four and, and, and putting up all kinds of points, stupid points. They didn't in this game. Uh, maybe that's the thinking, is that NIU's defense was very good. They held a team that was scoring 35-40 a game over the last month to 24. Uh, but Ohio University just keeps on rolling. Might be playing in a MAC championship game. They keep playing well. Okay. Your favorite game of the week. Ugh. Yeah, I mean. This is such a dumb pick on my part. You know, I, I, I just, and I read a long article about Oregon yesterday. And Stuart Mandel, who's a great writer, been college football for a long time, and said that some people out there feel like Oregon could be the best one-loss team in the country. They got Bo Nix, former Auburn quarterback, right? Terrible. He used to turn it over a lot at Auburn. And ever since that first game of the year, I think they said he's only thrown one interception, right? Yeah. One turnover in six, seven weeks. You know they have good players at Oregon. You know that. They have a first-year coach who came from Georgia. The guy who's now Cristobal at Miami left Oregon. The one thing they said that he can do is really recruit. And they're starting to wonder about his, his game coaching. And they're already doing that in Miami after that debacle this weekend. Well, they turn it over eight times in their game and lost Miami of Florida. I didn't see it. Yeah, eight turnovers. Eight. And got beat. Um, anyway... Um, but I, I just don't see how anybody in their right mind that is voting on this, and it can't just be West Coast writers. I don't know how you put anybody in the Pac-12 in the top 15 teams in the country. And there's no way UCLA, despite the fact that they were undefeated, there is no way that team is ranked ninth in the country before that game, right? Uh, Casey I, thought so. Well, I, I picked UCLA because I had no faith in Bo Nix whatsoever. And I, really, he just struggles with good defense, right? And UCLA didn't really have this stalwart defense uh, to write a home about. They, they had a pretty good offense, I guess. Um, I, I don't know. This was just tough. Um, the pick was more about me not liking Bo Nix than it was actually about UCLA being a good team or not. Um, trying to find out who UCLA played before. I know it wasn't much of anybody. They beat Utah. You know, I really yep. liked Utah before. Uh, they beat Washington, which I don't think mm. Washington has done much since no. they were no. ranked. At Although I like the quarterback in Washington. The guy was in Indiana, Penix. Yeah. But Bo uh, Nix so far this year has hit on 72% of his passes, phenomenal number, 1,800 yards, 17 touchdowns, and three interceptions. 
He had five touchdowns in the game against UCLA. Five. Yeah. He's playing good. I mean, the, the, again, this goes back to the point I made earlier in the show that if UCLA, or if Oregon had passed the eye test just a little bit better against Georgia, there would, there would at least be a conversation about Oregon. But when you get blown out like that and you lose all respect in week one, because then what happens is you get down to the end of the season, you start seeing the college football playoff rankings, and everybody says, well, we already, we already saw it once. Do we want to see it again? Well, if they deserve to be in, then they should be in. I'm not saying that they deserve to be in, but they do. They should be in. I don't really want to see Oregon uh, in the playoff at this point, but they're starting to play like a team that could – at least make an argument for it. Uh, and if you haven't watched the Pac-12, if you go to bed early on Saturday night, I know this game was in the afternoon, but if you haven't watched the Pac-12, you're not a Pac-12 after dark person, Oregon's playing a whole lot better than they did against Georgia. Yes, they are. They're playing very, very well. And, and by the way, uh, for some of you wondering, and I was wondering, and I was just looking it up, the College Football Playoff Selection Committee releases its first rankings a week from tomorrow. Okay. November the 1st. So it's going to be really interesting to see uh, who's where with these one-loss teams, including Oregon uh, and Alabama. And, well, we know about the unbeatens, but how do people look at, you know, like we were talking about earlier, how do people look at based on the strength of schedule? How do they look at TCU compared to Ohio State and Michigan? I mean, Michigan played the worst schedule you could possibly play in the preseason. You know, ESPN does those, does those bottom 10 rankings, the top 10 and the bottom 10. Their three out-of-conference games were against three teams in the bottom 10, okay? The only team they've beaten worth a hoot, and they killed them, was Penn State. Maryland, Maryland's not bad, actually, but, uh, and that was a tight game. Ohio State? Played Notre Dame first game of the year. Notre Dame played very well. They've stunk the place up ever since then. Um, you know, so it'll be really interesting to see when we get to that next Tuesday. And that's assuming that Ohio State and Michigan win this coming weekend. And, and, and you know, the result of the Tennessee-Kentucky game. Um, we'll see. All right, what are the college games we have? Is that it? No, no. two more. Now – you know, you guys win this game. And you know what? The teams you picked, the team you both picked, should have won that game. Did you guys watch that game? I did not get the chance to watch it. But I know that they were up and that they let it slip. I was kind of hoping that they would win just so then we wouldn't have to see Clemson in the playoffs. <laughs> but that would probably mean that Syracuse would just fly up the ranks, right? So I don't know if you really want to see them in the college playoffs either. Um, that's tough. That's tough that they lost. It would have been great for Syracuse, but tell you, it's a way they lost. I, I, I really watched the second half of that game because the Ohio State game had turned into a blowout, and we're going back and forth. Uh, the a little bit of the UC game, but you know, the, the Syracuse Clemson game. So Syracuse is playing great. Um, fascinating storylines in that game. Dabo, with his quarterback, who everybody, you know, highly touted, you know, not a good year last year, trending well this year. Dabo has the guts to bench the guy. Bench him. 
okay, for a freshman who's not played at all. So that's one. Incredible drama. They're at home. Sellout crowd. They won however many games in a row it is at home. Okay? He makes the flip. But Syracuse has the lead. They're dominating the game. And on a third and 20, okay, and Clemson's going to have to punt and give the ball back to Syracuse, who really had a chance to, to, to run off a bunch of time and almost put the game on ice. So the quarterback's running. He's three steps out of bounds. And this guy for Syracuse just blows him up. 15-yard personal foul, automatic first down. Three plays later, they get a sack. It's third and forever. They jump off sides. Okay, so now you're getting them in a more manageable position. Clemson ends up winning the game. But, but, but I'll tell you, of all the places in college football, and there's some Clemson fans who are going to get really upset by this. And, and look, I respect the heck out of Dabo and the program he's got going. But that might be the single biggest homer stadium in the country. Because the exact same thing happened to the Syracuse quarterback when they had a chance to go down and kick a field goal and win the game. He gets blown up out of bounds, just like the Clemson guy did. No call. And, and there were four or five plays in that game where you're like, okay, come on. I know the home team gets a call from time to time, but this is ridiculous. And, and maybe that's why, besides having good teams, Clemson's won all these games in a row at home. All right, is that it? No, one more. How could you forget? How, how do you forget? <laughs> they just keep rolling. They do. Great pick, everybody. They just keep yeah. rolling. Okay. Go TCU. TCU goes to West Virginia. They come home against Texas Tech. Two games they should win, but you never know. And then they go to Austin, Texas. Now, I know that Texas lost at Oklahoma State over the weekend. It's going to be another year where Texas and Oklahoma thought they were above everybody else, walking out of the Big 12, going to the SEC. And um, neither one of them is going to end up in the, um, in the Big 12 championship game again. Yeah. Those teams are going to get killed in the SEC. Unless something changes. They are going to get killed. Uh, might be a rising tide lifts all boats thing if the recruiting picks up. Well, I mean, look, they got the Manning coming into Texas next year. Quinn Ewers, first year as a starter. Uh, there, there's a lot to like about Texas. I'm not sure what you like about Oklahoma right now. Yes. Uh, they, they, Boy. Brutal. I was shocked Brent Venables went to Oklahoma. I know it's always your dream to go and be a, ho a head coach somewhere. But when you have something going so well like you do at Clemson, you're the defensive coordinator at Clemson. You have your own – I would say you have a national brand. How many defensive coordinators could you list off the top of your head? And he's definitely the first person that comes to mind nationally. And you leave, you go take the Oklahoma job in the midst of Lane Kiffin going to USC. You're in a tough spot. You're changing conferences. Tough situation for our guy. Brent well, Venables. I mean, he's been waiting a long, long time. He's turned down some big-time jobs. Yeah. Uh, he's been a defensive coordinator, was at Oklahoma. Then he goes to Clemson, uh, you know, wants to be a head coach. And I'm not going to throw in the towel on Venables. I think he's a good coach. I don't know if he's head coach, but he's got a lot of work to do. Yeah. All right. NFL. NFL. Um, 
Great pick, guys. Yep. Don't look now, fellas. Um, the Tennessee Titans are four and two. <laughs> you're, you're a guy, Mike Vrabel. That's right? my guy. That's my guy, Vrabel. I mean, they get guys hurt. They lose great players. But they find a way to just keep on rolling in a terrible division. And Matt Ryan, God bless him. I mean, boy, can he throw a pick at the wrong time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, good dude. Good leader. Um, leader of men. Uh, no, I'm not putting him in that category. There are only a handful of those guys out there. <laughs> only a handful of those guys. Urban, leader of men. Ryan Day, leader of men. Luke Fickle, leader of men. Uh, the Ravens thought they'd cover this. Yeah, that was Were you guys surprised by the comments of Brian Billick? He announced the game yesterday, filling in uh, on the Ravens radio network, and he thinks that Cleveland has a good team. Yeah. I mean, I, they've only lost by a combined 11 points out of all their games. I think that says enough to me that their record is not – it does not show an accurate picture of how good this team is. It just doesn't. I mean, I know there's something to be said about just winning a game, but I mean, you had them in your top five at one point. I did. And I think they've got talent all over the field. I mean, they've got a good secondary, good defensive end. Um, they, they've got a, a joke uh, that they're, Linebacker. Although the, the, the tight end, by the way, that he talked about, when it, it, it left the stadium yesterday in a boot. Oof. In Joku. Yeah. In Joku. Yeah, that's tough. But, I mean, even so, their offensive line is pretty darn good. Two of the best tandem running backs in the league. And they're not even at full strength. So, I mean, this is just not a very good matchup for the Bengals at this point. Now, if we get Reader and we get Hendrickson back, then maybe it, it's a bit different. But, man, this is just tough to face them right now. Well, I tell you, it's good. what's interesting is you point out, there's that, the Cleveland run game, which we were worried about the Atlanta run game. But, I mean, Cleveland at least, you know, they're more of a threat throwing it. Brissett's not great. But the other part about it is it's, it's the first time in a while here comes a legitimate pass rush. You just heard Billick say it. Miles Garrett, Jadavion Clowney. Yeah. Legitimate pass rush. The thing for the Browns is that their whole deal was that they just needed to tread water until Deshaun Watson came back. Their schedule leading into Deshaun coming back, Bengals, Dolphins, Bills, Bucks. Oh, God. I mean, their season is over by the time he comes back if they don't win three of those games. Yeah. Well, I think they're done if they lose this week. I agree, too. I think they're Are done. Are they not done already? They're no, they're not. Five. No, they're not. Because they're not done yet because the division leader is only four. I mean, as I mean, excited as we are about the Bengals, and we talk about the Ravens, the bottom line is those two teams have played seven games. They've won four and lost three. That's the bottom line. Uh, there's Yeah. I just think there's such a lack of leadership with the Browns. They don't have a quarterback right now. I understand what they have going for them, but if if they don't if they don't win if they don't somehow get two wins out of the Bengals, Dolphins, Bills, and Bucks, they think Bucks. Yeah. I mean, but they're they're not done yet. 
Is it true that Burrow's never beaten the Browns? That's true. It's true. Because he didn't play them last year. They, he, they sat them at yeah. the end of the year. In the year well, the second the, game they sat him. Yeah, the second game. The first yeah. game he got blown out. He threw a pick six right on the goal line. I don't know if you remember that. I do remember that. Oh, man. That was a ter- I was working that game, and I just sick to my stomach after watching that. I was running the uh, the boom mic, and I'm, <laughs> I'm in the end zone just – I'm like, oh, Chase is coming t- right towards me. He's coming. And then it's just pick six down in the house. My like, oh, God, just awful game. Well, Terrible. I mean, you know, some of, here we go again with some of the guys, you know, uh, going off the reservation. And I love them. God bless them for watching this show. But they're going off the reservation. Bengals are back. Cleveland, don't worry me a bit. That's insane talk. That's insane talk. But to say, to say that the, the the Browns don't worry you playing at home, worry maybe is a strong word. They have to concern you. No. They stink. Okay, so. They stink. No, teams that stink get beat by 20. They lose. I don't care if they lose by one or 20. They okay. lose. All right, we'll they see. Where lose. are we next? Where are we next? Steelers, uh, men of aluminum, men of aluminum. Yeah. I took the Dolphins and they don't cover. Men of <laughs> aluminum cover. Brandon so Sayo picked the men of aluminum. It's so lucky. Yeah, that was a lucky. Yeah, pick I'm not going to say it's lucky. It's a good solid pick. Oh, that was a on. terrible game. That was a terrible. Tua almost he threw what would have been four interceptions that game. Sayo's got his dunce cap running around outside he, he's as he's happy. getting ready for his mental health show coming up. He's happy about this. Yeah, he is. He's happy. All right, what's pick. next? What's uh, next? Oh, this one. Boy. Not the right time, Tom. Yeah. Kansas City's good. They are. They got a good team. Uh, I know they lost by three at home to Buffalo last week, but Kansas City's got a good team, man. Yeah. And Five and two. I saw something the other day. You don't think of their – you think their offense is the thing that's really good. But I saw something the other day that their defense is actually, like, doing analytics-wise. I don't know if it's the uh, EPA or whatever for the, for the defense. I don't know what that, num- or what that acronym is. But it's actually one of the highest in the league. Their defense is actually doing quite well. And uh, I don't know if that's – I don't know why it's like that. I don't know who they got. I know they had like a defensive end in the first round and they got a safety, but I thought he was He's out, out of UC. Season. Yeah, the starting Brian safety's Cook, out yeah. of Cincinnati. Yeah, Brian Cook. Um like that guy. Like him a lot. Um but I'm not sure if uh this I think this defense might be legit. And if they have a legit defense and they got a legit offense, that's a recipe for Well, good well that's football. the thing about the three teams that we've mentioned. The, the, the Bengals even though they've not been so far this year in the same category with Kansas City and Buffalo. But the Bengals scoring offense, eighth. Bengals scoring defense, eighth. Buffalo, number one scoring offense, number one scoring defense, if I'm not mistaken, in the NFL, right? Right. Okay, and then you have Kansas City improving defense. We know about their offense. I mean, these three teams, which look to be, in my opinion, so far, and we're not halfway through yet, they look like the best three teams in the AFC, and, and they can outscore you, and they can shut you down. Okay, what's next? One more. 
One more to go. What do you think it is? We got. <laughs> and I said reluctantly. So I went seven. Brandon, you and you and I agreed on seven of the ten. I disagreed with you on this and uh, two others. I forget which other ones. All right. So where are we in the grand scheme of things? Here we go. Here we go. Ooh, it's still tight. It's still tight. All right, Casey. 15 over. That's impressive. Brandon and Paul. Combo, 11 over. All right, I'm there, 7 over. Four back. Long way to go, boys. Long way to go. I think it's just, if we could just appreciate that we're all positive, though, for a second. <laughs> like, we give out good picks. We give out good winning bets. You bring up a great point because you watch some of these now. You know, and by the way, before... I don't want to forget this. I want to ask you guys right now to see if we can find this. Okay. It might have been, and I don't say this because it was Urban Meyer. It, it might have been the best television I have ever seen in my life for a football fan to learn about wide receivers, their routes, and the quarterback and what the quarterback is supposed to do. And, and, and I mean... This could not have been done better than the segment in their pregame show last week. Urban Meyer did a segment on the Ohio State receivers, which has become wide receiver U. I mean, it, it, they haven't had Smith and Jig ball year long, and Marvin Harrison and, um, and Egbuka have had better years so far this year than Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson had at this point in time last year. Both of them are first-round picks. But it, it, it walked through these lines that Ohio State has on its field for practice. And then they showed you what happens in the game when they run those routes. We have to find that from the Fox Big Noon kickoff show on Sunday. Every football fan, whether you like Ohio State, whether you like Urban Meyer, I don't care. And I've been around a lot of football like many of you had and had a chance to, to talk to a lot of coaches. This was the best television from a coaching standpoint that I have ever seen. It's that good. Got to check that out. Uh, do we have a cherry on top? Do we? I, I don't think we have one this We this don't. Today. Okay. Yeah. We were going to do possibly Devontae Adams waiting at the tunnel. Oh, yeah. That was <laughs> a good clip. <laughs> that was a funny clip, but... Nothing, nothing too memorable in the sports world. Actually, you know, there was one clip that I was going to suggest that was too long, uh, but I saw it circulating on Twitter. Tom, are you a fan of the movie Moneyball? I know you're not an analytics guy, but do you I, like the I, movie? I'm the opening scene of that movie, Moneyball. Yeah, yeah he's I, the answer. Yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm just asking you if you like. Well, the movie. then, of course, I know. Oh. I, I, I'm a big fan. I, I love the movie, and, uh, and, and, yes. So go ahead. Did, what did about? you see the clip? The clip was like two minutes long. This was gonna be the cherry on top, but we didn't put it in because it was too long. But there's a clip going around on Twitter that somebody synced up the Moneyball theme music to Bryce Harper's home run yesterday in Philly, and all the fans going crazy. I, it was a great clip. If anybody's listening, what, 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 what was what was the premise though of that? I mean, what was the clip? It was alluding to what? Uh, just, it just was about Bryce Harper. Yeah, it was, no, it was just the drama. Do you, you remember in the movie the drama of, of the A's and and them Love. extending that winning streak and everything, and and the the sound and how it cut with the crack of the bat and the crowd in the background. So somebody spliced it together. 
pretty cool. And, and put it to the background of Harper hitting the go-ahead home run last night. It's just a just a okay. cool scene for the city. All right, of well, that's our cherry on top, presented yeah. by um, United Dairy Farmers. Um, so, we'll um, great show today. We thank everybody. Let's see. Uh, oh, oh, Sir Boy Wonder says UDF's going to be upset. Um, UDF. <laughs> I mean. We Even our boss, it. Trace Fowler, is getting involved. <laughs> Reed, hey, Reed Mouse, he can pick them with the best of them. He says, Bengals v. Browns, it scares me. Right? Yeah. No Logan Wilson. No Reader. Facing Nick Chubb. I mean, if the Browns decide to run the ball t- t- next week, yeah, sure. But how many times yesterday you're Sir looking? Sir Boy Wonder agreed with you that says the Browns are terrible and they're not terrible. I, they're not terrible. But if, if you're gonna if you're gonna have Nick Chubb, use him, and they should next week give themselves a chance to win. Is Stefanski gonna do it? Well, you know it was interesting reading. There, there, there's a guy, and I'm drawing a blank on his name, and and I always talk about all the time. I'm 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 new to social media, and so you know I'm I'm kind of learning some of this stuff. But there's a guy who's a broadcaster, very well known broadcaster, I guess, up there in Cleveland. Uh, and when when the Browns, you know, at, at halftime, sometime you'll see Fox or CBS or whoever, they'll interview the coach at halftime, okay? Local radio has that as well in a yeah. lot of towns. I don't think we have it here, but in a lot of towns, they have the same thing. They pay the coach, join whoever at halftime. Well, apparently, Kevin Stefanski said at halftime, we really need to start running the ball a lot more. And their first three plays, three and out of the second half, were passed. That's what I mean. They can't do that next week against the Bengals. Here's a clip. Casey, yeah, look at, I, I got the clip look at this. up. By, that quick. All right, let's hear it. Bryson never won a postseason series prior to this year. Not only did he reach the postseason, he's been the best hitter in the postseason. This is the deepest he's ever played. He's one win, and in this case, one swing, perhaps. From the World Series. That's one thing about about baseball that they, they, they baseball still has that. You get to this time of the year, and that crowd in Philadelphia was was oh jeez, man. And, and, and don't forget, and Brandon Sayo can back this up before we get out of here, and we're already late. We reached out to Nick Castellanos. This was back in what Brandon June. They're floundering around. Having a bad year, maybe a little later, maybe it was maybe it was July or August, something like that. They were starting to play better. And look, okay, you know, do the whole thing you want. The meme, the Castellanos saying everything right. Uh, going back to August of 2020, we wanted him to be on this show 
for the very first show. And you know what? He was excited to do it. Said he'd be happy to do it. Would come on the show. And then a couple days went by, and he texted me back, and he said, you know what? I thought about this. Um, this thing might get some reaction where, you know, there, somebody's asking me or teammates about it in a clubhouse. He said, I don't want to be a distraction for our team. He said, because there's a good chance we're going to get in the playoffs. And I don't want any distractions for my teammates in the playoffs. So he said, as soon as the season's over, I'll be happy to come on. And he's going to come on. And I hope he comes on as a, um, as a World Series champion. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Be cool. If he wins it all, yeah. he comes on the show. Be great. Yeah. Be great. And he was really cool about it. Um, okay, that's it. Fellas, enjoyed it. Have a good day. You got your show later today, Paul. Yeah, 2 o'clock. 2 o'clock. Brandon, when's your show start? November 1st? November 1st. All right. Uh, have a great day. God bless. We'll see you tomorrow, 10 a.m., right here on Chatterbox Sports.